welcome our guest with us today. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we have a special gift for you back at the welcome table. But I want everybody to take their bulletin. Let's tear off the tab on the side. You're going to use that tab for a couple of different things. If you're visiting with us, we would like some information about you to give you the opportunity to share with us who you are and give us um, an even better opportunity to uh, set up a time to, to maybe come visit you or make a phone call uh, to you or also you can share with us anything you want to on there. And on the back side is a prayer request side. That's for all of us. If you have a prayer request, prayer need, please fill that out and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Also, if you have a care concern, somebody in your neighborhood, your family, or someone that you know needs a card, maybe needs a phone call, some encouragement, maybe even have uh, something need done around their home, please just write care at the top of that on the back side of the prayer request, and you can drop that in the offering plate, and we will get that to our cup of cold water and to our care ministry. We need those to keep both of those ministries going, but more importantly, to let people in the community know that we love, love them and care about them. So please take time to do that. Open up your bulletin this morning and you'll see some announcements at the bottom on the inside right-hand page. Um, reminder, there will be no spiritual growth session tonight. We want to invite you to spend some time with your family. So please uh, take the time to do that. We'll get started back with those next Sunday. Uh, also at the bottom, we'll let you know that next Sunday is our Women's Sunday, and Ann Bo Amy Boone, who is the um, North Carolina WMU director, will be with us next Sunday, so that will be a special time, and I know you'll want to be a part of that service. On the back side are all the opportunities of service this week. If you'll note that the staff retreat that was scheduled for tomorrow has been postponed due to the possibility of some uh, winter weather, so make note of that. We'll be doing that sometime in the near future. Well, this month is our Heck Jones uh, offering emphasis, which goes directly to WMU. And at this time, I'm going to recognize Debbie Weiss, who will share with you our mission moment this morning. Uh, talk about the Heck Jones offering. Uh, we begin our emphasis on that today. And this offering is the, the main financial support for the work of the WMU or the Women's Missionary Union in North Carolina. And a lot of people don't really know, unless they've been involved, what this organization is. And when it says it's a union, it means that it's a group or an organization that's for girls, for boys, for young men, and for young women. And that includes our GAs, our ACT teens, our RAs, uh, and the different groups that they have throughout the churches. And um, each one, and it's also for the women too, each one of, of them studies about our missionaries and what they're doing. They pray for the missionaries, they raise money to support them, and then they actually get out and do some mission projects. Uh, I've worked with Barbara Lale and our GAs in the past, and uh, they do a lot of things that a lot of you aren't even aware of and, and uh, do a lot of mission activities. And so have our ACT teens and uh, our RAs. And our youth guys have done some really good things too. Uh, our church helps support the WMU through the missions resource plan, but it also takes this offering to support our church and churches throughout the state. The offering is named for two women who led in the early days of the North Carolina WMU, Fanny Heck and Sally Jones. From its early history, WMU has focused on teaching children about missions. Ms. Heck said, give us the children of today for missions, 
and we take the world for Christ tomorrow. So uh, we urge you, there are, uh, you should have gotten a little prayer guide to go along with it today, and, we, and there are also offering envelopes in the pews, so we urge you to give. Our goal uh, is $3,000, and our in-gathering will be on February the 28th. Thank you. As we're celebrating love in its many forms today, romantic love, family love, love between friends, it's important that we remember that the, the love that we have for each other is only possible because of God's love for us. Our first hymn this morning is printed in an insert inside your bulletin, so please um, stand as we sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
Good morning. How has your Valentine Day been? Anybody done anything special for somebody they love? What did you do? Um, I had a Valentine's Day party, and um, I handed out cards to everybody, and um, I gave my baby sister Reese her first Valentine. First Valentine. How sweet. I know these two did. Tell them what you did. He had a special dinner last night. They had a special dinner. How about Aiden? Did mom or dad, or did you do something special? Not yet, maybe. Jenny. <laughs> well, this week on Saturday and Wednesday during mission activities, the children have worked really hard so that they could show you as a church how much they love you. So I want you to take a minute and open your bulletin And if you have a shiny red heart stuck on the inside flap, would you please stand up? All right, if you will stand up so that they can see you, they have some gifts. They are trying to show you. These are special gifts. They have special scripture so that you can remember what kind of God's love and how precious it is to us. If you were in Sunday school this morning and your teacher remembered to look on your bulletin, you saw that there was a Valentine card to your Sunday school class, and there were gifts that the kids had made on Saturday and on Wednesday night. I hope that you will feel their love and their presence in this special Valentine's Day. Anybody else have a shiny red heart? All right, the girls have a verse that they would like to share with you. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. 1 John 4, 7. We love because he first loved us. 1 John four nineteen. And the verse of love that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John three sixteen. Now, if you will join us in prayer. Dear Lord, how special it is for Valentine's Day to fall on your day. You share with us every day your love, and it is endless. But on today, being a Sunday and Valentine's Day, grace this church with an overabundance of love. Bless our children, bless their families, bless you, Lord, for giving us your son. And it is in his name we say, amen. Let's continue to celebrate God's love for us as we sing hymn number 507, Would You Bless Our Homes and Families? Please stand.
Before we pray, I want to mention that uh, many of you know that Diane's, Diane Rabin's grandson, Andrew, passed away this week. And that visitation will be this afternoon from 1.30 to 2.45 at Holly Springs Church. And that's in Forest City. Wesley, where's Wesley? It's Forest City? It is Forest, yes, Forest City. And then the service will be at 3 o'clock. If there are some from the church that would like to go, uh, Holly Springs is a, just a little ways away. Um, we are taking the bus, and that bus will leave here at 1.15 from the church parking lot. So if you would like to go to Diane's uh, grandson's service, uh, the bus will leave here at 1.15. You can ride in the bus or you can follow the bus. But let us continue to be in prayer for Diane, for her son Jeff, and for the rest of her family during this very, very difficult time. Wilda Perrin, this last Monday, uh, had, you know, a lot can happen in the course of a week. I think we all know that. But um, Wilda Perrin was experiencing some dizziness and um, just a short time later found out that she has stage 4 cancer. Uh, there is a, a tumor in her brain. There's a spot on her lung and some other places they're checking out. Um, both the parents and the doctors are optimistic that with treatment, the outcome uh, looks good. And so we want to continue to be in prayer for them, for their faith, and for their strength uh, during this time. Let's continue to remember the family of Catherine Kirby that passed away earlier in the week and uh, lift that family up uh, in prayer. Also, Bob Blackburn continues to make slow and steady progress there at White Oak and Shelby, and he very much appreciates the love and the cards and the visits that he has um, uh, experienced this last, this last couple weeks. Evelyn Allen is at hospice, and then Martha Green as she continues to recover from surgeries as well. There are others that uh, are going through difficult times in this place, and we want to remember them this morning. Uh, not only maybe uh, uh, grief, but also whether it's a family issue or concern, um, we want you to know that we're mindful of those as well. We just simply don't mention all of those uh, here on Sunday morning. But um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to give you just a moment to lift up a prayer of your own to the Lord this morning, whether it be praise or maybe a, uh, a burden that uh, you bring in here to this place today. Let's take a moment and lift that to the Lord, and I will lead us this morning in our prayer together. Father, it's good to be still and to remind ourselves that you are God, that you are on your throne, that you are sovereign and in control. We confess, Father, we don't often know why you do what you do and work the way that you work, but Father, we do know that you're a loving God and that you're a good God. So Father, we claim the promises in your word today. Lord, we lift up these who are struggling, some with grief. We pray for Diane, pray for her son Jeff, that you would comfort them during this very difficult time. Help them to know that they are loved by you and by us as a church family. Father, we pray for the family of Catherine Kirby that you would continue to comfort them. We lift up others, Lord, that are dealing with grief this morning, and we pray that you would be their good shepherd and will walk with them through this difficult valley. Father, we pray for Wilda and Phil Perrin. We pray for healing for Wilda. We pray for doctors for wisdom and knowledge, and that, Lord, that they would feel your presence this day. Father, continue to provide strength for Bob Blackburn, we pray for Evelyn Allen and for Martha Green. Lord, we're thankful that Herman Bridges is now at home, and we lift up uh, these names and others to you today, Lord, that are going through very difficult times. Father, for those in this place today that are faced with decisions this coming week, we pray that uh, they would look to you and that you would guide them as they make these important decisions. Lord, for others that are struggling with uh, maybe it's a marriage issue, maybe it's a family issue with children, Father, we pray that you would give them wisdom and that they would look to you for that guidance this week. We're thankful for our church, and Father, help us to be a beacon of light in this community that lets other people know the good news of Jesus Christ. 
that there is salvation, that there is hope, and that there is a future, not only on this earth, but eternally as well. God, give us a passion and a love for people and a love for you. Lord, forgive us for where we place other things as more important than you in our lives. And Father, help us uh, to see and recognize when we do that and turn back to you. Lord, bless each one here today and meet each one here at the point of their need. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said together, amen. Our next hymn is number 504, God Give Us Christian Homes. Please stand as we sing together. Let's pray together. Father, as we reach this point of our service where we come to to give back to you, we come to you thankful this morning. We come to you thankful for the lives that we have. We come to you thankful for our family, for our friends and our loved ones. As we gather here today in remembrance of this Valentine's Day, 
God, we are reminded of the love that we receive from so many people around us, but ultimately we are reminded of the love that we receive from you, from the love that we received from Jesus through his life and his death on the cross. Father, I pray that as a congregation this morning that we would be willing to open our hearts to you, that we would be able to see where you would have us give back to you this morning. God, whether it be monetarily, whether it be in the way that we live our lives, through gifts, through service, I pray that each of us would seek to please and honor and glorify you in all that we do. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name, amen.
Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Luke 15, 11 through 32. This is the record of a story that Jesus told. It's the story of love in both word and in deed. A story of love that really goes beyond human logic, but to show us just a glimpse into God's grace and God's love for each of us. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and bring and let us eat and make merry for this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you 
and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word.
and thank you, choir, Roger and Cheryl. Can you give testimony to that this morning? That even in the valley, God is good. We're going to be looking at Luke 15 a little bit more, and thank you, Doug, for reading that this morning. And we'll also be flipping back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you wanted to, to have that handy. This last Wednesday, we did something a little bit different for many of us. Uh, we hosted a Ash Wednesday service. It was the beginning of the season of Lent where we celebrate uh, or we remember uh, there's 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, excluding Sundays. And so uh, we participated in a special service here in the sanctuary. And uh, many received to or have cho- chose to uh, have ashes imposed either on their forehead or on their hands and to remind each of us that from ashes we have come and to ashes we will return. Um, the fact that we are sinners and we have received uh, the message and the good news of Jesus Christ um, reminds us of the hope that we have. And so I don't know how you have responded uh, to these 40 days leading up to Easter, but some of you may do things annually and others may this year have been challenged and have thought through conversations and things that we've communicated here at the church to either give up something uh, during this season of Lent or to uh, respond to the challenge that has been issued in regards to listening to the New Testament. Many of you have picked up a MP3 disc, and we have more of those available in the back. But um, I have been doing this over the last few weeks and have went ahead and, and gotten ahead uh, of what we are the, the schedule for this. But if you are willing to read or to listen through the New Testament, we encourage you to do that. There will be no test to see if you have completed that. Uh, but if you are willing to listen to Scripture in any way, please pick that up for, uh, for yourself or your family as you leave. And uh, we would uh, be glad as a church. It will be great to see what God does uh, through us as a church family as we are all listening to Scripture together. I've heard some, from several people this week already. Uh, they've sent me a text or an email or, or on the phone about how the Lord was speaking to them as they were listening to Scripture already this last week. So I'm excited about that. The month of February lends itself to look a little bit more closely at the subject of love. I was sharing with someone this morning before church that I got up and I put on my blue shirt and was getting ready to put on a blue tie and a totally different pair of pants and a coat. And I remembered, wait a minute, you know, we had just celebrated some things at home for Valentine's Day. And I think we'll, I'll stick with the red sweater and go with the black pants and the black coat today. But it is that month where we talk about love. And last week, we had some fun looking at what, a, what is a grace-filled marriage. What does it look like to offer grace to the one sometimes we choose to offer it to last, uh, those to whom we live with, uh, meaning our spouse. And today, we're looking at what is, a grace, what is grace-filled parenting. Um, there's a lot of times as parents, we don't want to extend that grace. Uh, something's happened, and the law is about to be laid down, and grace is the last thing on our mind. But uh, we're going to look at that this morning, and uh, the text of Luke 15 certainly leads us uh, to do that. Let me go ahead and say this, that if a line is being formed for parents who fall short, you will have to get in line behind me first. Um, We confessed last week that we were not perfect. Many of you looked into the eyes of your special someone and said that, and then we had some great conversation that I had to bring everybody's attention back together uh, last Sunday with. But uh, if we are all honest in here as parents, we must say as well that we have also fallen short. And there are times, again, uh, in many times, where we are not those perfect parents. Jesus knew the one best way to speak difficult truths to people. He did that in the form of parables, and he did it throughout Scripture. And he did it here in 
uh, Luke 15. We start with the story of the lost sheep, then we move to the lost coin, and then the text that Doug read this morning reminds us of the lost son. Let me set the stage here. We have a story of a younger son. Many of you have heard this for years, but let me just, some, some may be, the story may be new to them. We have the story of a younger son who asked for his share of the inheritance. There was an older brother uh, in Jewish law, from the way I understand it, the older brother would have received about two-thirds of the inheritance, so the younger brother received about a third. He received what was his, and he went away to a foreign country, and he wasted it. He wasted it on loose living, uh, having inappropriate relationships, and just doing who knows what with his money. There began a famine in the land, and they began to be impoverished, and so he did what would be unthinkable for a Jew. He found a, um, a local citizen of that country who had many swine, and he began, he began to feed them. As he begins to come to his senses, he realizes that his father's hired men are treated better than he was being treated. So he continued the journey back to his father, not knowing what and how his father would respond. But as the scripture tells us, he went back to his father and was going to ask his father to be treated as one of the hired men. For the hired men were living better than he was living out on his own. One of the greatest examples of forgiveness in all of Scripture. One of the greatest examples of grace in all of Scripture um, that Jesus told in this parable form. But I want you to look with me at verse 20. And we'll read a few of these verses and then we're going to flip back to Deuteronomy 6. But in verse 20, Jesus is saying in the parable, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What does that tell us? His father was looking for him. I see the man, I see some of these roads down here, these country roads. I can imagine someone sitting on the porch, the father, and looking down the road daily for his son to return. And then one day, he saw his son off in the distance. He did what was uh, uncustom for any Jewish man, not the compassion part. It says he felt compassion for him, but the next part, it says he, that he ran. There's an old song by a man named Benny Hester. Some of you know it, uh, have heard it before. It's When God Ran. You know, we talked in uh, Wednesday night recently about the different portraits of Jesus. And one of the portraits that's my favorite is a picture of Jesus laughing. It's up in my office, and I I look to it often. And we, we don't often think about Jesus in that way. But I would venture to say we don't often think about Jesus or God the Father running. But yet it says here, as the son was seen from some distance, that the father not only felt compassion for him, but he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. The son said to the father, I had sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. I was reminded this week of a verse in Psalm, Psalms 103.10, that says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with any of us according to our sins, but He has offered us His grace. As we continue this morning, I want to remind you of the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I would think that, you know, this, this is a story that Jesus told uh, 
you know, there's, there's a lot we can talk about about with Jesus' parables, but I would, I would imagine I want us to, to put something into the, invite you to go into the story with me this morning and think about the fact that if this was a typical Jewish family, uh, this family would have held true to the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, as they were raising their children. And these words, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I imagine that these words were in the heart and were in the mind of this father. A fundamental teaching for all Jewish families and for families today. Verse 7 there says, talk, it says, teach them diligently. Talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you get up. So what is this saying? It's saying as you wake up, remember the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the good news that is found in a relationship with God. As you take advantage of those times when you wake up and when you lie down. Take advantage of those times when you're sitting at home and there's nothing going on. There's no agenda and you're waiting on the snow. You know, you're, 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 you're wondering what you're going to do when it comes. You know, you're going to get your, your hot your soup and your hot cocoa. But take advantage of these times as a family to talk about God, to talk about his love, to talk about his ways, and to listen to one another without distraction, without TV and video games, but take time to simply be. The story of Jesus is a parable, again, but I can't help but think about the father and his knowledge, or we can't help but think about that of Deuteronomy 6. He may have had a knowledge of Solomon in Proverbs, when uh, the verse that many of us know when Solomon wrote, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And yet, this younger son did depart from it. We know that most of the time this proverb plays itself out within the Christian home, but there are exceptions. The father in this story would have had a very, uh, would have had every right to discipline the son and to treat him as a hired hand and not to welcome him back at all. Not only did he accept him back, but again, he was waiting. He was looking for him to return. And he ran to him when he saw him off in the distance. And, and then, obviously, we see that he threw a party. When God deals with us, it's always on the basis of grace and not merit. When God relates with you and I, it's always on the basis of grace and nothing that we have done. This younger son did not deserve this kind of reception and celebration, but yet he was given it. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If, it's, if it was something about us, we'd go around boasting about it. If we thought we had a part in it, wouldn't we? That's how we're wired. We, look what I've done. You know, you see my background and what I've done. And we would, we would, we would boast and we would certainly love to take credit uh, for, for this gift. What grace the younger son uh, was shown by the father, the same grace has been shown to you and I as well. So as we think about grace and how it relates to parenting, it sounds like a great thing, right? Especially for the child. You know, well, I can, you know, I've got a free ticket here to do what I want because if God is forgiving and grace is sufficient for my need, then, then I'm set. Well, Paul in Romans 6 debunks this way of thinking. He says there in Romans 6, are we continue in sin, are we, 
Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And then he says, may it never be. And if we had time this morning, we could go on with that text and unpack that a little bit more. But instructions are also given in Ephesians 6 regarding children and parents. And I don't want to read that uh, quickly, but Ephesians 6, uh, we we, uh, often quote this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. But verse 4, parents, has a word to say to us. It says fathers, but let me uh, substitute parents. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21, Paul also echoes this thought when he says in Colossians to the people there, fathers, don't exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So when it comes to grace-filled parenting, what does that look like? How do we unpack that? I just want to list just just four quick things this morning. How can we raise our kids with a desire to follow God and know God and not abuse the grace of God? I've listed four things quickly this morning. Grace-filled parenting begins with an unconditional commitment to love on the part of the parent. Love no matter what. We don't have to agree with the behavior of our children, But the one thing that the Lord has asked of us, that he has demonstrated to us in his grace and relationship with us, is love. And he asked of that as well as we relate with our children. The father in our story had this commitment. It's tough stuff. This this point this morning is a sermon in itself. This unconditional love of a parent. There's a lot more that we could say there. But grace-filled parenting begins with an unconditional love on the part of the parent. It also begins with a permission to be unique on behalf of the children. Allow your children to be themselves. Grace, I said earlier last summer when we were talking about a grace-filled welcome, grace gives us the permission to be, to be ourselves. Grace-filled parenting does not tolerate wrong. It does not tolerate sin, but it does allow for personal freedom. It recognizes the natural gifts and the abilities that the Lord has given your children. Those of you who have had more than one child, you know that God creates each of us different, different personalities. I grew up um, surrounded by a family that had three girls and um, uh, another family outside of my own. And I looked at each of those girls. They each looked different. They acted different. They thought different. And that's the way God made them. Grace-filled parenting begins not only with unconditional love and commitment and a permission to be unique and allowed uh, the children to be themselves, but also a freedom to be honest. Grace-filled parenting begins with freedom to be honest. Are we creating the environment in our homes that allows for honest communication? For when opposing views or or opinions or sides of of the way we see something, is it okay to voice something that may be different uh, to one another in in an atmosphere of love and respect and where we know we can have good discussion? Can we speak truthfully to one another? And do we listen to one another? Parents, do your children know that they can come to you and be themselves. Grace-filled parenting begins with a freedom to make mistakes. Grace-filled parenting is concerned with how God views our children, not society. Grace-filled parenting is concerned with how God views our children, and again, not society. I read this week that the home is where life makes up its mind. The home is where life makes up its mind. What happens inside the four walls of a family home 
does more to affect the outcome of children's lives than any other single event. What is the atmosphere for those parents who are here that have young children today? What is the atmosphere in your home? Is that atmosphere leading your children to know and to follow and have a relationship with God? For those of you who have children outside of the home, those years are done, you still have a calling from God to extend grace to your children. What does that environment look like through the telephone and with visits uh, to each other's homes? How is, that how is that relationship of grace expressing itself? In his research on successful families, George Barnes lists four qualities that are present in families who have successfully traveled through the various seasons of parenting. Now, George Barna is the, um, I call him, he's the consumer reports for Christian living. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about my house growing up. My dad had his Bible, then he had consumer reports. You know, consumer reports have the little uh, red dots. Some of you get that or know what I'm talking about. It has little red dots and then the black dots and then the, the nothing in the dot. And I can't remember what everything means. I do know that the red dot completely filled in is really good. But George Barna, when it comes to Christian living, when it comes to the church, uh, is, is this statistician. He's always doing studies and, and he's always doing research. But he, he mentions four qualities that are present in families who have successfully traveled through the various seasons of parenting. And he says this. He says, great parents are highly engaged with their parents, or excuse me, with their children. Great parents are highly engaged with their children. They're there for their kids, emotionally, physically, intellectually, spiritually. And Deuteronomy 6 shares with us how to do that. As we get up, as we lie down, as we go about our way, uh, as we live life together, how are we engaging with our children? Are we taking every opportunity to make an impact in the lives of our children? Great parents also spend lots of time with their children. The best times, again, as I said, aren't the busy times and the hectic times, although those are important in how we respond to stress and anxieties that we face every day. But, but in, in taking time, this is where real sport, spiritual formation happens. Taking time at home. Time when, when there's no uh, busy, hectic schedule. He also says great parents are those who are willing to listen. Who are willing to listen. This begins... For those of you who have young children, before they can even talk, and they point, and they want to know what that is, and we begin to tell them what that is. And then it goes from there to when they start talking, you have an infinite number of questions about a host of things. And those of you who have young children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And sometimes it may not be the exact answer that they want, but they may want to see what your reaction is, especially as they get older, to the question. But how are we doing at listening? This is something that I am continuing. I am a learner in this area, and I am continuing, uh, I hope, to improve in this area. But great parents are also the ones who can balance their ability to be vulnerable and soft with the need to be the proper authority in the lives, in the lives of their children. It's one who can deliver the hard messages of life without crushing the spirit. How do we do this? We do it by seeking God's grace and applying his measure of that same grace to our children. I heard an expression a few weeks ago that I can apply to this sermon today. It's when it comes to grace-filled parenting, I'm learning how to, to, to work on the plane as I fly it. I'm learning how to build the plane as I fly it. Because as we go through life, there are certain things, hopefully that from our own upbringing that we know and that we would like to extend to our kids. But when it comes to offering grace to our families, there are situations that come up. Again, the sermon a few weeks ago was unscripted. And there are things that come up that we haven't planned for. There are things, conversations that we didn't think we would ever have with our children that we find ourselves having. 
And so how do we respond to that? Are we listening to our children? Uh, are we, uh, you know, and so this idea of building the plane as we go uh, has, uh, resonates uh, with me this morning. Many of you have heard the nursery rhyme of Humpty Dumpty. What it says, um, you can say it quietly with me, but, it, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. When we look to the word, when we look to God, we are all reminded that we are broken people. But I'm thankful that we have someone who can help us put the pieces back together again. And the thing that is used to help us put those pieces back together again is God's grace and his love. We have been offered, and hopefully you this morning have accepted that grace from the Lord this morning. But one of the challenges that you and I are faced with today is how do we extend that to those in our home? That's where it should start first, to those, uh, to our spouse, to our children. What does a grace-filled marriage and grace-filled parenting look like? The passage we read this morning, Luke 15, 20, the father in our story ran to his son. God is running towards you today with a message of hope, with a message of forgiveness, and with a message of grace. Will you and I receive that grace And will you and I exhibit that grace to others in our family? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the music, for the prayers, for your word that has been read. Father, teach us more about what it means to offer grace within our homes. To those to whom we love the most, our spouse, our children. Father, we confess that we fall often fall very short of your will in these areas. And Father, forgive us for when we have. And Lord, teach us to know more about what it means to offer grace. We're thankful for the good news and the love of Jesus Christ, the grace that has been offered by the free gift of your Son for all who will receive. It is good news, and we're thankful that in Christ our sins are forgiven. Speak to each of us today in the way that we need to be spoken to. Lord, if there are those who would like to join with the body here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, Father, we pray that they would have the courage to come and to, to make that known. For those who are struggling, Lord, in a marriage or with parenting, whatever it may be today, I pray that they would feel the freedom to to speak with you in prayer, to come and pray at the altar. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing within our church and within the families within our community. Lord, help us to seek your grace and help us to exhibit that grace to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing hymn number 329, Grace Greater Than Our Sin.
a wonderful Valentine's Day. Take some time to enjoy this evening. And there's no activities here at church tonight, and so take some time to enjoy uh, this evening with those whom you love. I hope everybody stays warm and safe tomorrow. If you have any needs that the church could help with, please let us know, and we would be happy, happy to, to assist you in any way we can. For our benediction today, we're going to do uh, what we tried last Sunday. We're going to try it again today, but uh, the words are printed in your bulletin, and so let us sing this benediction together. Mm-hmm.